Established in 2020 by retired Air Force Master Sergeant C.J. Ives Lopez and partnered with educator Debbie Lacken, the Author's Porch is a premier destination for all at every stage in their career. From live cast to podcast, the magazine, and most recently, the bookstore situated on the square in Danville, Indiana. The Author's Porch becomes a beacon of light, drawing you home to the porch where your family is standing by to usher you into your greatness. The Author's Porch brings promotional services and advice to authors to get their writing published. Hey everybody, welcome to the Author's Porch where every great conversation happens and it happens because we trusted Brendan and Bomzi at Master Talk to show us the power of effective communication. We also make sure we have a great cup of coffee from Third Day Coffee Seguin, a Christ-centered veteran-owned coffee company. Today on the show, we have Yvonne Wakefield. How are you doing, Yvonne? I am snowed in in Oregon. Oh my goodness. I did not know that you guys were snowed in up there. Is it really that bad? Uh, it's melting now, but it's, it's, uh, we don't really frequently get snow, but we have it now. Oh my goodness. And you were telling me that you're in your studio, that you are about to move to a new studio, right? Right. I'm in a studio and home on the Columbia river in the Dalles, Oregon. And I just sold this and I'm building, um, a brand new one further down directly on the river. Wow. Guys, I've been so excited to talk to Yvonne. I was able to talk to her just a little bit during the Jingle Books party that um, I was I was super excited. I think I was a little too excited to co-host with A.G. Billig and Books That Make You. They did a Jingle Books party and Yvonne is one of the authors over with them. So Yvonne came on and talked to us a little bit. And then when they booked her for the author's portrait, it's like, yay. And the reason is, well, there's a million and one reasons, right? But one of the main reasons was because at the age of 18, Yvonne went out into the wilderness and built a log cabin. Like when I was 18, I was scared of my, not scared of my own shadow, but like I grew up in a concrete city. So I couldn't imagine, I mean, how did you do something? And you wrote about it and there's a documentary and you have quite a few other books as well, but can you tell us about that experience? Well, I'll tell you how it started. So <laughs> my father died when I was nine and then my mother died when I was 14. And I, mm. that night I went, you know, where am I going to be the next day, the next week? I couldn't even envision the next month. And that night I had this thought um, that if I could survive the next years in the foster care system at wow. when I became of legal age, I would get a case of cold duck, which for those of you who don't know, is like sweet, sparkly red wine, get a cat and go to the mountains and build a log cabin where I would write poetry and do art. And so the laws changed. So at age 18, as opposed to 21, I got um, some of the inheritance that my parents had left for my college education mm -hmm. and got in my green gremlin car and just started driving around Oregon, which I hadn't been to before, and eventually found 80 acres on this mountainside um, just outside of John Day, Oregon, which is northeastern Oregon. Mm. And... Um, 
went up and had a book on how to build a log cabin. I'd never built anything more than a fort as a little kid. Um, and just started in and almost got killed the first tree I fell by myself. So I hired a man named Jim and basically he was my mentor, my teacher, my muscle. Okay. I was like, you cut all those trees by yourself as well. Oh my goodness. Um, I didn't <laughs> cut. I started to cut the trees using his chainsaw, which was too big for me. Um, so I eventually found a, a chainsaw that, that fit me. So okay. um, he cut the really, really big ones. Um, I cut the smaller ones and I also bucked up everything. Okay. And that was where, <clears throat> through that experience is where you were babe in the woods, correct? I wasn't writing the book. I was keeping a journal. Mm -hmm. um, and for, gosh, four decades, I, I still keep a journal the same way up there. I still have the property. Um, in fact, I'm going to go there next week. I write in spiral bound notebooks with a big pen. And so I think the year, yes, about the year after I built the cabin, I started to transcribe those notebooks onto a garage sale typewriter. And um, this is for interest millennials. It's interesting. Um, the publishing world back then you sent a hard copy to publishers and you mm -hmm. could only have one copy circulating at a time. So I got like a Brooks Brothers shirt box and I put my manuscript in there that was typed, full of typos, all this junk. And you'd submit it to one publisher and they'd reject it and then you'd resubmit it and you'd resubmit it and you'd resubmit it until, you know, it finally got accepted. Um, wow. That was one of my early, early journals. But then later on, actually, when I um, returned from teaching in Kuwait in 2010, um, I decided to make the journals into a book. And so um, Babe in the Woods, Building a Life One Log at a Time is that book. And what I did is I took the journal entries and made it thematic, made it made it story, but it's still, uh, the timeline's still correct. The stories yeah. are still correct. I think so many people can learn from that because who, I mean, nowadays, at least, who goes out and just learns how to build a life for themselves in that way, right? In a way where they have to learn everything on their own without, for lack of better words, Googling it. Because <laughs> that's, that's what I do. <laughs> I Google it. Well, and that's, that's interesting because there is no electricity up there. There's running water. You get it by you run down to the creek with two buckets. Um, and it's, it's that way now. It was that way when I was 18. There's no Googling. Um, so you learn to figure things out. You learn to, to make tools that work for you if you can't find the right tool. It is yeah. self-sufficient. And, you know, in the same, I'm in my 60s now, and I'm still doing the same things I did up there when I was 18. Oh, I'm a, a lot wiser now. And a lot more careful because my bones are more brittle. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not only an author, but you, you're an artist as well. And I'm looking at you. Um, you have some books that talk about where you were teaching art in Kuwait. I didn't know that you had been to Kuwait. Where at in Kuwait were you at? I was in Kuwait. I was uh, hired by the Kuwait University, by the Kuwaiti government, um, to teach art to Muslim women at 
um, the College for Women. Wow. And I did that for six years. Okay. What parts of Kuwait was that? It was Kuwait Central. Oh, Kuwaiti City. Okay. City, yeah. Okay. I was in Al Jaber. Oh, yeah. Well, you, oh, because you were in the military. Yeah. So I was in a couple of different locations in Kuwait. And I actually, I really enjoyed it. Al Jaber is, I think, north, isn't it? More towards the Saudi Arabia border. This is why I wouldn't survive in the woods. I'm geographically impaired. I don't know if that's a thing. I've made it a thing because I could get turned around on a straight road and not know my way back. I'm really bad. So I couldn't tell you. I, I could find it on a map though, but I couldn't make it there. Well, and, and that's an interesting <laughs> thing about me. I'm challenging that way. Like if, if somebody loses their sunglasses in the, in the woods when we're out hiking, I can retrace it and I can find it right away. Wow. When I'm on the roads, I get discombobulated. So there's a story about in Kuwait, all the signs are in Arabic. And I was leaving this writer's group and I got really, really lost. And I'm like out, you know, the ring roads there. Yes. I was out on the seventh ring road in like at midnight, didn't know where the heck I was. So I saw some police officers and I pull over and I said, you know, I'm lost. Well, they didn't speak any English and I didn't yeah. speak enough Arabic. Um, but yeah, I know that that situation, I was hopelessly lost. I finally got back around 3 a.m. in the morning. Wow. That's, that's scary, especially in a foreign country. And I've been, I've been there quite a bit. Um, but you know, thank God that, that we're still here. (laughs) So when, when you were growing up and, you know, you talk about the foster care system and losing your parents early when you were growing up, did you have dreams of being an author? Was it something that you wanted to do or is it something that just happened because of the life that you had went through? I think it, it happened. And I think it happened because I spent so much time alone at the cabin and the only way to communicate was to write. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I religiously kept a journal, um, not just to fill the time, but to give voice to my thoughts, yeah. to, to, to get them out of my head, to take away some of the loneliness. Cause you realize that that, that log cabin is 13 miles from any kind of town. And the last four miles of that road are sometimes really impassable. So oftentimes when I, when I decided to winter it there, um, I would get up at four in the morning and be on skis at six to get down the mountain and then leave the skis in the woods and then pack back over another mountain to get to my truck and hope it hadn't frozen up and then chain it up, get to the highway, take the chains off, go to town, get your laundry done, your library and your groceries. And you'd have to be packing up by four in the afternoon because it got dark up there. And I would go out maybe once every 10 days so, I mean, I'm living up there, I was turned 19, um, totally by myself with a cat. And so I had to find ways to keep myself sane. I read a lot. I drew a lot. Um, I didn't do oil paints then because of the lack of ventilation, but I did a lot of watercolors, pen and inks. And I had a really rigorous ritual, which is also what got me through this pandemic, 
Mm. Um, Because my husband recently died. So I I found myself in this house, like with nobody here during a pandemic. So I, I use the same rituals I had when I was 19 as I do now. You, You get up at the same time, you do your exercise. I do my exercise. Um, dress in nice clothes and then do my writing and then whatever work you needed to do. And then um, by afternoon, you're in the studio working. Yeah. You know, we went, um, I worked outside the house before the pandemic. I worked at a university and I worked five hours away from home. And then the pandemic happened and I kept my routine, but I was doing it here at home. And I did the same thing. I got up, I did my hair, I got dressed nice and all the other stuff. And we would meet on teams, me and the other ladies from work, and they didn't do their hair, or their makeup, and they really suffered. So I definitely understand that. And the author's porch was built during the pandemic because of the need to talk to people. Um, and, I, and also because of my social anxiety, but I found my my way because I would rather be alone. Like I like to talk to people, but from a distance. <laughs> so yeah. so I, I definitely get that, um, that needing to to have the interaction, but yet not the full on um, hustle and bustle. Right. Well, and that's that's why I survived the pandemic, because I thought, you know, hey, you know, I've got Netflix I got electricity. I've got scotch, you know. <laughs> scotch. <laughs> I'm fine. And I had a huge library. Um, yeah. So I was fine. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You said I got scotch. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, we had a couple wine nights. <laughs> we did a couple wine nights. So I definitely get that. Now I, I see in 2018, you had a documentary made. Um, a documentary was made about, um, it says uh, yours and sisterhood, a documentary about interviewing you with the log cabin. Do you want to give us a little more information about that one? Yeah, the um, Irene, I can't remember her last name, but it's in my on my website. Um, she got a grant to research all the letters from this late 70s on that people had submitted to Ms. Magazine. Hmm. And she, oh, the, I think it was Arthur Schlesinger grant she got. I think that was it. Um, and she chose one of my letters that I'd written to Ms. Magazine when I was 18. How when cool. the cabin was getting built, um, I was living in this, in a pup tent below the cabin where the cabin was getting built. And it was like pouring rain and I was never dry and I was always hungry and I was always achy. And I get this issue of Ms. Magazine, which was my big splurge. And I'm reading it in my tent and on the cover is this beautiful portrait of this woman with a backpack and her hair's all done up nice. And I'm, so I write this letter about, Hey, I'm, I'm this teenage (laughs) kid doing this thing in in the mountains and you know, it's wet and it's cold and it's really not romantic. Um, What people think about building a log cabin and living there. It's just an idea. It really isn't romantic. It's a lot of work. But so I wrote this letter because I said, I'd like to write an article and, um, they said no, but the editor, who is Valerie Monroe, I, I used a different acronym for her at Ms. Magazine, she became pen pals with me. And every time I'd finish wow. a journal, 
I'd send it to New York and she'd comment on it because they were been, they were going to do an article on me. Um, well, it never happened, but we had this pen pal relationship and she was actually probably a vehicle for me to continue writing because she was interested in reading what I had to say. So, I mean, in, in that case, it was also a trip to get and a trusting trip to yeah. hike down the mountain with this spiral bound journal, go to the post office, get an envelope, um, mail it, and, you know, hope it's going to come back. Well, they yeah. don't come back. So that correspondence happened for over a year and a half. And I totally had forgotten about that letter um, until Irene found it. And so she came up to the cabin in 2015, right after this horrible 110,000 acre fire, which, which the cabin was spared from. And I sat on the porch steps and reread the letter. And my responses was she was videoing it. Wow. That's too much. So the, the, so cool. the documentary is called Yours and Sisterhood. And I'm just one of many people she interviewed. And it premiered at the Berlin Biennial, um, I think a couple years ago. Well, that's super neat because here is this magazine and what every magazine does and TV show and, you know, the, the media, I guess you would say, portrays these glamorous lifestyles and you're like, Hey, I'm sitting here doing the dang on thing. It is not glamorous. My hair is not flowing in the wind. You know, I don't have this beautiful eyeshadow on, <laughs> you know, I've got eye boogers and my hair is everywhere. And <laughs> I don't know when the last time I brushed my teeth was and I'm freezing to death. <laughs> I just want you to know it's not as glamorous. Uh, and then she took interest in your journals and the actual journey that you were having. And then later on, I mean, that's like, wow, that's fantastic. Well, that's then it was story. interesting, gosh, four decades after that first letter was written where I wanted to write an article for Ms. Magazine. Then I finally got mentioned on the electronic version of Ms. Magazine. No way. So, yeah, so there's the picture of me sitting on the porch steps reading that letter. And I actually still have the original letters between Valerie Monroe and I. Oh, my gosh. What a treat. What a treat. Man, I'm like, I'm like fangirling over the whole storyline that you've got right here. Because that's like, that's like everyone's dream is to, for something like that to happen, right? Like, that is super cool. You've got a couple people here. Um on the show watching you you've got Desiree Duffy um saying you know you're amazing and such an inspiration which I agree 100% because when I first heard about you Yvonne I was like I want to talk to Yvonne how do I get Yvonne on the show and then after a couple of months of me thinking that they booked you for the show and then I was able to um talk to you for the jingle books which I don't even know if AG was able to talk when you were on because I think I took over at that moment because I was like oh this is Yvonne I get to talk to Yvonne so we also have Theodore Lacrosse saying good Tuesday evening he's one of the avid um readers that we have within the groups that I see on Facebook. So Theodore's around quite a lot and Ruby Wilson, always insightful. So we've got some folks here uh, listening to you. Yvonne. So what is your latest book that you have out right now? So the sequel 
to Baby in the Woods building a life one log at a time was mm -hmm. is Baby in the Woods self-portrait. Okay. And that takes up um, a couple years after I'm in my early 20s. I had this gig. First of all, when I was, I did go back to school. So during the summer months, I did go back to college. And so in the summer months, I would spend at the cabin. And then later I got this job as an arts administrator that also allowed me the summer months. So I had six summers where I'd go to the cabin. It was my home. Um, so self-portrait takes up where Baby in the Woods, Building the Life One Cabin, left off. And then because the cabin's built, I've got more time to be at the cabin. So I actually get to paint. You know, I have mm -hmm. that time. So it all I'm in art school at that time too. So it talks about my development, you know, as an artist and and being inspired by the wilderness. But the one of the turning points there is um, I was bothered by rogue bears. They are not wild bears. They were um, what I was told they were relocated from parks where they'd been a nuisance. And there was a deer kill up above my cabin, which when they woke up or whatever they did, they came down and that attracted them. And then they started to come down to my cabin. So there's a huge sequence in there about how I deal with these bears. And I'm then I decide, well, I'm going to build a log. I'm going to build a log studio by myself because then I could paint somewhere else besides the porch. And mm -hmm. so I said, okay, I'm going to do this by myself. It's like a post log cabin building test. So I had to figure out how big trees I could move by myself. So I bucked the trees, took one summer to buck them up. And then the bears came. So then I decided, well, I need a bear proof studio or a bear proof cellar. So I could put food in there and the bears won't be bothered. So I spent one, one summer digging this five foot, deep hole, I think it's 14 by 14 feet deep hole and pouring a foundation. And then during that time dealing with the bears and then it continues on where the next summers where I, where I finished the cabin. And um, also it was a time for me to look at like my past I hadn't been able to deal with because surviving in a foster care system and all that you're in survival, you're in a survival mode. Yeah. 100% of the time you don't have any time to reflect or retrospect and so with that time it was like oh my god and so I I had to look at some of the stuff that had happened to me and it it was hard um because like when you're in it you can't see it but when you're out of it you can see hmm. some of the patterns of abuse that I went through and so I those were kind of hitting me in the gut um and I was dealing with it through art actually. Oh, wow. So your art kind of helped you a little bit. Did it provide like that, that safe therapy space for you to, to release some of that? Yeah, it, it wasn't art therapy as because I have a background in art therapy, not art therapy okay. as like the expressive art therapy, but I think the connection with nature and reading the metaphors and understanding, um, what riverbeds went through, what mm -hmm. trees have gone through. Mm -hmm. um, you can survive. You might get nicked. You might get rolled around. You might get roughed up, but you can survive. 
Wow. And I used uh, used paint to teach me that. Wow. That's beautiful. There's a lot of people that that need to hear that, especially right now in, in the world. So thank you for that. Thank you very much for that. So what upcoming projects do you have? I know that you're about to move into a new studio, which is amazing. Um, what other projects do you have? Um, I have been working since last March on a movie treatment of the first book. Okay. So it actually just went off to an agent today or yesterday. So that's been an interesting experience where you have to like readers digest, condense everything down and change yeah. things. Yeah. Um, I've heard that process is grueling for, for authors because of having to take everything out. Well, I read an interview by Margaret Atwood who wrote the handmaid's tales and oh. somebody asked how it was for her to hand over the book, you know, for the, I think it's a, was it Netflix series or Hulu or one of those series? She said, it's like, when you hand over the book, it's like, this is the hanger. And then you have to give it away. And then, you know, producers, directors, script writers, they all hang their versions on it. Yeah. So um, there were only two things I I compromised on. So there's that. And then um, as we speak, right here on my desk, I've got the third book. Mm. which takes, which is called Babe in the Woods Path of Totality, which takes us up to present day, including, you know, COVID. You know, I went, I go to the cabin at least twice a month, um, alone, mostly alone. And then during COVID, I thought, you know, I was also a fitness instructor and I was um, furloughed. And so I thought, well, this is a great time for me to go to the cabin. I don't have any work. And then I thought, you know, if I got in an accident up in the woods or anything, I would be a detriment to the 19-bed hospital in John Day, Oregon. Um, You know, I could expose first responders. They could expose me. So I stayed put at the River House um, for two months. I think, oh, yeah, I think finally I went up in May. but I, you know, I had to put off a lot of maintenance work because I just couldn't afford to do psychologically the travel. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. So we can expect to see Babe in the Woods on the big screen very soon. I'm excited well, for that. that's something I've been working for, so... I'm excited for that. So I can, I can read the books. I'll have time to read the books because they're on my to be read. I already have them downloaded. It's just a matter of. Make sure you review them on Amazon. Oh yes. Yes. That is every author's need is for every reader. If you are going to read the book, review it. Amazon and Goodreads as well, please. Um, And then after I read it, I'll be ready to watch the Watch it on the big screen. I'm excited for that. I'll be ready for you to watch it on the big screen. (laughs) So where can people reach you at, Yvonne, um, if they're wanting to reach out, book you for a show, find your books, or any of the work that you do? I just had this brand new website developed, and it's it's got my art and my books, and it shows you the new studio in progress, and it's Yvonne 
pepinwakefield.com. So it's Y-V-O-N-N-E-P-E-P-I-N-W-A-K-E-F-I-E-L-D.com. So it's just my, my first name, my maiden name, and my husband's name, all squished together, lowercase. Awesome. And we're going to add that to the comments here after we end the show so that anybody that is watching us on LinkedIn, Facebook, or YouTube will be able to catch those comments and it'll be in the show notes of the podcast. So check out the show notes of the podcast if you want. And then I just, I want to interrupt. So the, on the website, it does have links to my um, social media, but if you want to get, a good view of the cabin and what I do up there. There's um, a Facebook page I have. It's called Babe in the Woods, Building a Life One Log at a Time, the same as as this book. And um, so I keep people up to date with, you know, what I'm doing up there, you know, fitting a mall handle or mall head or dealing with porcupines or bears or whatever. That's so cool. I love that. So this is the part of the show, Yvonne, where I hand it over to you and let you have any last words. If there's anything that we didn't talk about that you want to share, anything that you want to shout out, this is your free space where I just shut up. (laughs) What I would like to do is encourage authors to continue despite everybody saying, you know, your book, we're not going to take your book. Um, I'm, I think I've said a couple of times, being an author is like being in an re- abusive relationship because you send out your manuscript. No, you're not good enough. No, no. And it's like after a while, you start to think, well, maybe I'm not good enough. And so with with Babe in the Woods, it's been a real journey. The, the book one has been republished three times. The first time it came out was in 2016 by a publisher. And two days later, they said, oh, we're going out of business. So all rights revert back to you. So they also had my other book, Suitcase Filled with Nails, Lessons Learned from Teaching Art in Kuwait, about the book I wrote about teaching art to Muslim women in Kuwait. They had that. So now I have these two books. One just got released. So I found another publisher, and then they weren't really actualizing the contract. So I took it off. Um, and, you know, spent a year and a half trying to find another publisher. And I said, by May of last year, if I hadn't, I would self-publish. So what I did is I started my own company. I'm an S-Corp. And um, I'm published, I published these two, The Babe in the Woods. Oh, and then Suitcase Filled with Nails got re-released. Um, and at first I was, you know, I thought, I, I don't want to self-publish because it's like you don't have any respect. But then I looked at, you know, Virginia Woolf self-published. I looked at all the other publishers. And um, when you're self-publishing, you're also doing a lot of the marketing traditional publishers no longer do. So you're you're doing that um, not really with the help of a publisher. But if you get a good publicist like I have with Black Chateau, um, they help help you move that forward. So what I wanted to say to authors is, just keep plugging along. I mean, it can, it can be depressing. And when it is stop what you're doing and, you know, take a long walk or something. Yeah. But everybody's got a story to say or to tell. Yeah. Never give up on your dreams or they'll never have, you know, what they want. Like 
if you would have given up on that cabin, you wouldn't have that beautiful log cabin to go back to and look at and say, you know what? I did this with my two hands and now I've got these books and it's going to be on the big screen and it's going to show all these people that, like you said, you may get nicked a couple times, but in the end you can survive it and you can get through it and you have this beautiful story to tell. And But man. what the process also taught me is that it's easy to give up in the middle of something. And if you do, you never actualize, you never move forward. And that's something that like I continue to this day. So for instance, last winter at Christmas, I was at the cabin and I went into the fuel shed to, to get gasoline to burn a brush pile and the door was frozen shut. So I took a stick to try and knock out the stuff near the door. And then I took a rock and that wasn't happening. And then I took my boot, it wasn't happening. So I had to trudge up to the cabin. I got a, a 22 ounce hammer, it was hacking away, hacking away. That didn't work. So I trudged back up to the hammer or to the cap, get this mall or Maddox and I start chipping away and I had to put on old ice, old glasses so I didn't get blinded. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I don't have to do this. I can burn this brush pile in the spring, but I set out to do this. That was my goal. And so finally I get the door open and all the gas cans are empty. <laughs> so then I get an old fuel torch and it's got something in there that sloshes. So I drag it up to the brush pile, but I can't open it. Oh my so God. I'm about ready to say F it, F it. I'm <laughs> so I went into the cabin and I got some kerosene from the lamp and poured it on there. But I mean, that's, that's, that's just, one minor thing about if you don't follow through, you don't actualize, you don't move forward. And, yeah. you know, it's the same with these books. You know, when everybody said, well, you can't, you don't need to write a three book series, just write it in one. And um, if I would have taken their advice, I wouldn't have gone anywhere. True. So very true. Yvonne, you've dropped so many little nuggets of great information and helpful to so many authors. And I've had a great time talking to you. I could talk to you all night long, but I, I presume that you probably are like, you know what? I've had enough. No, <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, but no, you guys don't forget to come back and check out Yvonne's books. YvonnePeppinWakefield.com. I got, did I get it right? Correct. Okay, awesome. Babe in the Woods. Building a Life One Log at a Time. And the recently released one was Babe in the Woods Self-Portrait. Okay. You guys go out and check Yvonne's books. Yvonne, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for affording me this opportunity to learn more about you. As I have been fangirling over here about uh, that log cabin, about all the things that you've been doing. And just... I can't wait to read the books and watch it on the big screen. And guys, don't forget to come back each week and watch us either live or the podcast right here on Facebook. You can also ask Siri or Alexa to play our latest episodes. Head to the website, catch our latest issue of the magazine, which the newest issue comes out January 1st. Um, and our blog posts are over on the website as well. We want to continue to make authors' dreams come true and provide a platform for them to shine. We'll see you guys next time. If you appreciate conversations like we do and want to become a better speaker, visit our friends Brennan and Bomzi of Master Talk, where they teach you how to use the power of your voice. Don't forget to stay awake with a nice cup of coffee from Third Day Coffee Seguin, the best cup of coffee on this side of heaven. Until next time, my friends, I'm CJ. That is Yvonne. Go read her 
books and write Happy on. solstice, everyone. Yes, happy solstice, everyone. Holidays, whatever you are celebrating, smile and know you are appreciated. You matter. And we are so happy you are here. Bye, everybody. Bye, Yvonne. Bye-bye. Is a certified veteran hosted podcast. Show your support. Tune in, share, and subscribe.